Uh, you know what? Can you make a note of the time and then just cut this part out? <laughs> yeah, I got you. That'll teach me to research something before I start opening my mouth, making up cards. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 206. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman. I'm joined this evening by Jess Dunks. Hey, this is Jess Dunks. And Brogan King. Greetings. Greetings and salutations, Earthers. Yes. You just say Earthers? Earthers, yes. How do you know I'm an Earther? Uh, Well, are you like an (laughs) alien lizard person that's maybe controlling the government? You don't know. You don't know? I, I, I don't. That's why Jess is having so much fun playing XCOM. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you, yes, and if you don't understand what we're talking about, please subscribe to our Patreon where you get our show the notes before the show banter. Uh, uh-huh. We need to do... Anyway. <laughs> yes, that thing that totally exists. Yes. No, the the, er, the Earther thing. I've been... Uh, ba- Babylon 5 is Netflix, uh, not uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, binging. <laughs> Awesome. I just watched I've never this. seen that series. I haven't it's either. The 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 season one is awful and the anime the, the computer graphics is very late nineties video game. Oh no. Yeah. Awesome. But oh it's it's terrible. It's terrible. But the the story the story is really, really cool. I just watched is that, the new is season. The story in season one, or the story no, overall? No, the the, over, the overall the overall story is is pretty cool. Although what was happening is this uh, brief aside. So the 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 the, the author uh, wrote a five year arc, and I think it was he was it was constantly under threat of being canceled. So he actually crammed his five year arc into four years four seasons because it looked like the show was going to get canceled. And so he finished his five year arc at the end of the fourth season. And then the studio was like, the network was like, Hey, you're renewed for a fifth year. And he's like, uh, uh, crap. So is the end of the show just awful? It's got good parts and bad parts, but it it lacks the, the the clarity of focus. Like, like one of, one of the things I really like about the series is it it super rewards you for paying attention. Like, like uh, something will happen in like season four, episode one that, or, or se- episode two that was set up in like season one, episode 10 or something like that. It does. It does a lot of stuff where it's like if you're paying attention, you get. You- we should put Easter but- eggs into Judge Cast. Speaking of clarity of focus. Hmm. Oh, yes. Uh, we should put Easter eggs in. I, I, I can't believe I've just put this evil on us. I'm sorry. Something terrible is going to happen. Welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 205. We're going to be talking about loops. Fruit Loops. No, fruit Loops, um, Jewelers Loops, all sorts of loops. Uh, cul-de-sacs are kind of a type of loop. But anyway, we're not going to be talking about any of those kind of loops. The loop that we're going to be talking about is Commander, uh, <laughs> Commander I, 18. I struggle to see how this is a loop, but I accept it. Yes. So, so last uh, last episode, I think we we suggested someone make a, a judge cast drinking game, and uh, and Charles Featherer uh, made one. So our goal for today is to get him blitzed. Anyway, Commander Commander eighteen <laughs> is out. We're going to be talking about 
not so much a, a card by card uh, uh, that we normally do for our release notes episodes, uh, because many of the mechanics, the returning mechanics in the commit in uh, in this product are actually pretty big. So we're going to spend a lot of time going over the mechanics in general. Uh, and this will be applicable. You know, these rules are actually applicable in any format that these cards are played in. Uh, and then we'll talk about uh, just a few few neat cards at the, at the end that kind of have us uh, uh, excited or have some interesting rules quirks to them. So first off, uh, the new commander set. It's got 59 new magic cards. Woo-hoo. And these cards all have a modern card frame, so they're all legal and modern, right? Hello and good no. luck. Nice try. <clears throat> Swing and a miss. So where where are these these fifty nine new magic cards? Where are they legal at? Conveniently, they are legal to play in Commander, uh, for now, uh, as well as Vintage and Legacy, so Eternal formats. Uh, however, you cannot play them in Standard or Modern or Brawl if you were so inclined. Yeah, that's a little awkward, isn't it? Because Brawl's it basically is. a Commander format. Yep. Well, it's st- I I saw uh, I saw it in the release notes where they called out or you know that you can't play them in brawl and i had that mean girls you know quit trying to make fetch happen oh no (laughs) but i want to make brawl happen (laughs) all right um Um, for what it's worth if uh all outside of the new cards uh the the other cards uh their legality is based on basically how they were legal before if it's If it was a legacy-only card, it's still a legacy-only card. It doesn't just become legal in modern or standard. Um, But if there's a standard legal card that you like the commander version better, you can can play that version of the card. This this set also has something that they've only done like one other time before. They have uh, some planeswalkers that can be played as your commander, uh, which is kind of neat. So that's sort of kind of. That doesn't really have any special rules to it. So, you know, just call that out. Hey, it's a new thing-ish. But um, It's not something we've so, seen a whole lot before, but it's there. Right. So so one of the one of the mechanics that's returning uh, is uh, is it's an ability called Lieutenant. You say that's returning? Is, it is returning. We've it had Lieutenant the before? <clears throat> they we have had Lieutenant before. Yes. Uh, in I think like two years ago. It was a, a uh, commander product from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. So what uh what lieutenant does? Um, so a lieutenant is uh a a person uh, uh who holds a place of authority for the person who really has it. Okay, and that's not what these do at all. Um, <laughs> we we had this a, whole saga of of like looking this up and researching it before the episode started again that you yes. can listen to on our totally legitimate <laughs> existing Patreon. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, so so what Lieutenant does is it's it's an ability word, so it doesn't actually have any rules text associated with it. But <clears throat> flavor wise, is it's a trigger or an ability that you that only exists if you control your commander. So, for example, a card such as Loyal Drake, uh, two and a blue for a two-two flyer, says has the ability Lieutenant at the beginning of combat on your turn, comma. If you control your commander, comma, draw a card. Okay, so if period, you, so that is, <clears throat> period. You know, uh, double double quotes, italicized text, blah blah blah, flavor text. Um, 
So what Lieutenant, what this ability does right here is uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, okay, do, do you control your commander? If yes, the, the trigger is going to go on the stack, okay? Then when it goes to resolve, it's going to check, do you still control your commander? And if you do, it's going to resolve. This is our intervening if clause card of the set uh, of the of the release notes episode. Um, if for some reason in between you lose control of your commander, someone steals it, you're not going to get the effect. Um, if you have two commanders because of the partner mechanic, um, you don't get the lieutenant abilities twice. Just check. Do you, do you control your commander? Yes. Okay. That, that passes the one check. And then if you are playing a deck that actually has two commanders, you only need one of the commanders for the lieutenant ability to, to trigger. You, you don't need to have both. You do not need to have both. I also just looked it up and uh, command and lieutenant was originally in uh, commander 2014. Oh, wow. That's a while ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, so time is weird. Yeah, I would have pegged it two years ago. Me too. It's kind of wibbly wobbly, Tommy wimey stuff. Exactly. Yes. So what, uh, what else we got? That's, that's coming back for Commander. We have bestow. It snuck in there. You have bestowed you might, this information upon us, Jess. You, you might say it bestow away into the hey. set. Yes. Uh, so there's a card. There's a card uh, with bestow that we wanted to talk about. That is Kestia the Cultivator. Uh, Kestia. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, the Cultivator. It, it costs one and Bant. That is one green, white, blue. Uh, it's a legendary enchantment creature nymph, so it is a an enchantment and a creature, uh, and it has bestow. Um, and its cost for bestow is three green, white, blue. Now, the way bestow works is that you can choose to cast Kestia for its mana cost as a creature. It's a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, or you can choose to cast Kestia for its bestow cost, and if you do that, it is not a creature. It is uh, an enchantment that is an aura enchanting another creature. Um, this is a legendary creature with bestow. So one thing I'm going to point out right away is that you can't have more than one on the battlefield, even if one of them is bestowed and one of them is a creature. It, they're, they're still a legendary permanent with the same name. It's still the same thing with the same name. Right. Even though only one of them is a creature, they're, they're still legendary and still have the same name, and, and that's that doesn't go well. You'd have to get rid of one, and and that's not cool. Um, now, whenever uh, an enchanted creature you control, uh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase, let me say that again. Castilla says that it, the enchanted creature, if it's bestowed, gets plus four, plus four, and then it says whenever an enchanted creature or enchantment creature you control attacks draw a card this means that uh whenever kestia attacks you draw a card whenever whatever kestia is enchanting attacks you draw a card and the same is true for other enchantments enchantment creatures and enchanted creatures it doesn't just Um, affect itself right um so you know it bestows an alternative cost it's it can't be combined with other alternative costs like if you have something that says you can cast Castillo without paying its mana cost, you can't choose to bestow it and still cast it without paying its mana cost. These are both alternative costs. Um, so if that comes up, then 
then that's not how that works. Commander's tax still applies even if you're bestowing Kestia. So to determine the cost, you start with the mana cost or the bestow cost, whichever one you're casting, and then you add increases for commander tax. And uh, it's either an enchantment creature or an enchantment or a spell on the stack, but it is never both at the same time. It's only ever one of those things. Uh, and so if you have something can- that cares about, you can counter creatures or something that cares mm-hmm. about countering non-creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's never both of, both of those things. It becomes a uh, an aura when you declare the intention to pay its bestow cost and before you choose targets. Uh, unlike other auras, however, it will still resolve if its target becomes illegal. It just becomes a creature instead of, of uh, an aura on the battlefield. Um, if it is an aura and the enchantment die, I'm sorry, the creature and enchants dies, then it become it just be, becomes a creature on the battlefield. It stops being an aura and immediately reverts to being a creature, which is why we call it a bestow away because it wasn't there a moment ago and suddenly there it is, <laughs> creature. And it it never it never leaves. There's no in between point where it leaves the battlefield in between. Right. Yeah. It doesn't flip up and leave the battlefield. Uh, it doesn't doesn't leaving a back or anything like that. Um. The aura doesn't become tapped when the creature attacks. That's very relevant for uh, for when it becomes a creature. It's not tapped just because the creature in Enchanted attacked earlier. Uh, and if it enters the battlefield in any way other than being cast for its alternate cost, it enters as an enchantment creature. So I think we covered everything that's weird with auras there. Did I miss anything, guys? No, there's just or a lot going bestow. on with Bestow. Yeah. All right. Ready for, ready for Brogues to talk about Evoke? Yeah, I'm very ready for Brogues to talk about Evoke. Evoke's one of my favorite mechanics, actually. You just really like Moldrifter, huh? I mean, I do really like Moldrifter. <laughs> Moldrifter and Shriekmaw two, were two of my earliest favorite cards. Moldrifter's still one of my favorite cards. But, like, Evoke is just backwards kicker, structurally, right? Yeah. Like, you kick this sorcery and get a creature with it. So yeah, um, we're going to talk about Evoke. Uh, <laughs> uh, Evoke is a mechanic that was originally in Lorwyn. People really liked it, as you can uh, tell from Jess talking about it right uh-huh. now. Um, stoked for Evoke. Stoked for Evoke. I'm stoked. Uh, nice. Um, so for example, uh, a card that has Evoke on it is Night Incarnate, which is a very spooky elemental. Uh, it costs uh, four and black. It is a three, four. Again, it is a creature elemental that has death touch and says when night incarnate leaves the battlefield, all creatures get minus three, minus three until end of turn. And it has evoke for three and black and says you may cast this spell for its evoke cost. If you do, it's sacrificed when it enters the battlefield. So in general, um, evoke is on creatures that, have either enters the battlefield or leaves the battlefield abilities. Um, when you play it for its evoke cost, you basically play the creature and immediately sacrifice it. So you just end up with the trigger. Um, but if they're, the creature is still entering the battlefield and leaving the battlefield. So other things that care about creatures entering and leaving the battlefield uh, will will also see that happen. So you may get other triggers in addition to your evoke um like we said with bestow evoke is an alternate cost you can't combine it with other alternate costs um if for whatever reason your creature enters the battlefield 
in any way other than casting it for the evoke cost. Um, like it gets brought back from the graveyard with something or is otherwise dumped onto the battlefield outside of casting it for its vote cost. You, you don't sacrifice it. It's still a creature. It's hanging out. Um, additionally, the ability that causes you to sacrifice your creature is a triggered ability. So people can respond to it if they so choose. Uh, does the, do you guys know uh, if the commander set has any evoke creatures that have enters the battlefield abilities? Um, let me check. If you want to make some small talk for a second, I will, <laughs> I will find that out for you. Well, I, I was curious. It, it's not a super important whether it has them, but I was curious because uh, if it does, uh, an evoke creature that enters the battlefield uh, trigger actually requires you to stack the triggers, which you mentioned Moldrifter earlier is really relevant with Moldrifter because there might be cards I could draw that I want to cast while Moldrifter is still on the battlefield. So uh, I used to play a deck in Stater, for example. Mold. Moldrifter says when it enters the battlefield, draw two cards uh, and it has a vogue. So if you cast it and draw two cards and one of those cards is momentary blink and then you momentary blink your Moldrifter in response to its trigger to sacrifice it, you get two more cards and a 2-2. So you get basically you get three cards and a 2-2 for five mana, which is a pretty good deal. I'm I'm still trying to find you one, but but oh, I, okay. I'm giving up because... <laughs> Uh, well, we can improvise something a, else. We'll talk about something else. Brian, what do you ooh, got? A. So improvise is a mechanic that's returning. You know, it, it improvise. We haven't seen improvise in a standard legal set in many, many, many years now. Uh, it's one of the earlier mechanics. I think it was in first introduced in antiquities. Um. Hmm. I was here like, uh, so where's Brian going is, with this? I feel like there's a really deep cut joke, but. <laughs> no, it's not really. It's just because it's, 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 it's still, still relevant around, and new. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. So we're like, oh, well, here's this. Here's here's this mechanic from four years ago. And here's this mechanic from like seven years ago. And here's this mechanic that's still still around. So improvise is basically an ability that lets you tap an artifact or tap some number of artifacts you control to help pay for your spells. So uh, the card that the card that uses this is called Sahili's Directive. It's X red, red, red. It's a sorcery with improvise. Reveal uh, top X cards from your library. Uh, you, you may put any number of artifact cards with converted mana cost X or less from among them onto the battlefield. Uh, then put all cards revealed this way that weren't. I'm just reading all the texts. It's less what the what the card does is less important than the actual improvise itself. So this is an X spell. So you know, let's say you want X to be five. Uh, so that would mean the spell would cost eight mana total. But you don't got eight mana. But what you do have is a bunch of um, clue tokens or artifact tokens or mere tokens or thopters or whatever. Um, so what this is is improvise. This is it's not an additional cost or an alternate cost. Okay. It only applies after the total costs uh, of the spell with improvises is determined. Um, it doesn't change the spells converted mana cost. So in this particular case right here, I'd say, let's say I want to cast where X equals to f- is five. I could say um, when it comes time to pay, I can either pay the five mana and red, or I can tap 
up to five of my artifacts. I can't over tap. So if I have like eight artifacts, I can't decide to tap all eight of them. Uh, I can't tap these artifacts to produce colored mana or even colorless mana. It's just uh, paying the generic mana costs of the spell. Um, and also, uh, like I said, when you do this, when casting this spell, you do this after total costs are determined, after you've activated any mana abilities, when it comes time to pay the costs, that's when you would actually do the tapping. Uh, and then finally, uh, you tap an equipment for improvise. It doesn't actually turn the equipment off or cause the equipment to fall off or anything like that or tap the equipped creature. It's just it's just having the equipment. It doesn't it doesn't really affect uh, any of the, the the board in any real way. Howling mind cares. For- <laughs> uh, I said equipment now. Um, Howling Mind does care. Winter Orb used to care. Doesn't it care it again? No, it doesn't, right? No. Uh, I don't. Yeah, so <laughs> the, the story of Winter Orb. I, I can just hear you, like, uh, crossing your says, arms and preparing to tell a tale right now. Yeah, so 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 way back, way back in olden days, uh, back when uh, uh, settlers would die of dysentery when trying gotta, to cross the wait, river. No, th- those are um, two separate ways of dying, Brian. <laughs> Come on! Now. Oh, were they two separate, two different ways of dying? No, no, no. This is this is even further back. Both would happen at the same time. Dang, that's rough. Um, yeah, yeah. So artifacts, when you tapped them, they would actually shut off. So a card like Howling Mine would just say during you know during each player's uh, draw step, draw an additional card, and then if it was tapped, it just it just turned off. It didn't happen, and that's why that card has that additional text on there is because when it was tapped, it used to be turned off. Well, Winter Orb uh, didn't, you know, cards didn't need that extra text because that was just in the rule. And uh, uh, so for the longest time, then they changed the rule and they had to errata Winter Orb so that it said, you know, if you if you tapped it, it turned off. But no printing of the card actually said that. And then finally, when they did, uh, I think when they did Eternal Masters, uh, they ended up just saying, you know what, we're going to take that bit of uh Oracle text off the card and return it to its its printed the the functionality of the card as it's printed applied to the current rule set. <laughs> I like I like that we t- we we talked about Winter Orb also by the way. Um, yeah, actual for re- longer than we talked <laughs> about actual <improv>. for realsies. <laughs> uh, Muldrifter is is in Commander 2018, so it turns out our example oh. was particularly relevant. It's it's pretty cool that that uh, that that combination manifested itself. Yeah, you know what else is really cool? It the mechanic cool. manifest, and uh, we have a card that we're going to talk about that doesn't have manifest, but but uses manifest, if you will. Uh, it's an enchantment called Primordial Mist. So spooky! It is a very spooky looking card. The art is actually rad. Yeah, well, it's an enchantment that says at the beginning of your end step you may manifest the top card of your library. And the reminder text says, put it onto the battlefield face down as a 2-2 creature. Turn it face up any time for its mana cost if it's a creature card. Uh, It also has the ability, exile a face down permanent you control face up. You may play that card this turn. So uh, basically this is a way of letting you play your instant and sorcery spells from manifested cards. Uh, Yeah, it... it, it, 
it really is, yeah. It just lets you get around the, the bad feeling of, oh, dang, I can't play that I sick. can't play my lightning. I can't play my sweet one-of spell because it's commander. Yep. So so what does it mean to be manifested? What does that mean? Uh, well, a face-down, it means to put it face-down on the battlefield, face-down permanents are two two creatures. They don't have a name. They don't have a mana cost. They don't have creature types. They don't have abilities. They're, they, they are colorless. They don't have a color. Uh, and if it's relevant, their converted mana cost is zero. So basically, they're a whole lot of nothing other than two twos. Um, they are they are the most important two two in the game. Do they really uh, like so ballet? Uh, yes, because they're yes, they do. They love ballet. Yeah, I got it. It took me a second. Hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Have you ever seen the picture? No, that's okay. Have you ever seen the 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 picture of the like little cat with a tutu uh that's on a trampoline no <laughs> nobody oh, no I've, it I, it's uh uh there's a local store that has a play mat of that and it's it's a tutu kitten with trampoline oh <laughs> my heart like I, really i'm pretty cute. sure you could just hear my like my heart leaking out my mouth as i laughed at that so Enjoy that mental um, image now. That's gross, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The heart leaping um, out. Okay, so... It's graphic. So, uh, even though it's a 2-2 with no special abilities or effects, uh, other effects can add to or modify its characteristics just like any other, uh, any other creature, right? Uh, and the face-down characteristics are its copyable values. And what I mean by that is not the face that is down, it's copyable values, but rather the fact that it's a 2-2 with no name, mana cost, etc. Those are its copyable values. If something becomes a copy of it, it's just a 2-2 with no abilities. Then And, and it sucks. Um, now, you can turn it face up again anytime you have priority. Uh, you, you turn it face up to show that it's a creature card, and then you pay uh, its the mana cost of that creature card um, to turn it face up. And then you have whatever the creature card is. It's a special action. It doesn't use the stack. It can't be responded to. And you still have priority uh, when, when you're done doing it. So and it's, it's got to be an actual creature card though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought I, I, I thought I said that, but yeah, it definitely got to be, a card. Cool. If, if it's a car, if it's a creature, because you have something in play that makes you know all your artifacts creatures, and this is a howling mine, you don't get to turn it face up. Um, actually, it has to be a creature card or just a permanent card. Yeah, no, it has to be a creature. Like it's it's got to oh, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to ignore any other types. The actual physical printed card. It's kind of weird too because when when because well, morphs morphs can be non creature. Right, so that's why it's weird that manifest cannot. Right. Yeah, it, and it says like if it's a creature card. So if the card itself is right. not a creature card, then you're sad. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. You, okay. can, you can look so, at them whenever you want too. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I was just double checking myself about that creature card thing because I was like, hold on, hold on, I'm going to make sure because I know Zoetic Cavern is a real thing. Yeah, um, oh no, it which, is. Which is a which is a morph they, card that's not a creature. They've so, got like light mine field and stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Lumen Thread Field, I think it's or oh, yeah, maybe. Anyway. Um anyway, so 
what Morgan was saying is true. You can look at it anytime you want to. You could even show it to your opponent anytime you want to, if you want. Uh, but don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just don't. Yeah. Um, now, face down creatures don't have a name, so they don't share a name with other creatures. Um, the same with the types; they don't share types with other creatures. So, if somebody casts Maelstrom Pulse targeting your your um, uh, morphed face or manifested creature, your face down creature, then it doesn't destroy all of your face down creatures. Having no name is not the same thing as having the same name. They just don't have names. Uh, if it's turned face up, it doesn't become a new object. And any enters the battlefield triggers it has don't trigger. If it has any auras or counters on it, those don't fall off. They stay there. Uh, and other effects that are affecting it don't end. So if I have a 2-2 face down creature that has giant growth on it, and I turn it face up and it's a 5-5 creature, well, it's still got giant growth until the end of the turn. So it's currently an 8-8. Uh, if it leaves the battlefield for any reason, you have to reveal what it is. And when the game is over you have to reveal uh, you have to reveal your face down permanence. Uh, we went pretty in depth on this in, uh, in an episode. I don't remember which one. It was probably the release notes for uh, Konzotark here. Yeah, which was like uh, a billion years ago. That's true. Right. Wasn't uh, it Fate Reforged? I think all three sets had this had mechanic. Ma- didn't, didn't they? Have no, manif- Manifest Cons- oh, morph. Just in, uh, Manifest. It was, was Morph just in Mega Fate. Morph Manifest. That's right. Um, yes, Cons itself didn't had morph but not manifest, but mm-hmm. but all the stuff about face down permanence is applicable from that as well. Right. Okay. So there is some weirdness that happens with uh, some some face down stuff. Um, you need to keep track of the order if you have multiple face down permanence. Uh, so order just means this one came into play first, this one came into play second, and so on and so forth, uh, and you can't mix them up. This one's the yeah, yeah. Your opponent gets to know this information if they need to. Um, you can't mix them up. Uh, your commander is still a commander, even if it is face down. This is really awkward because that means it still deals commander damage. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That's uh, but very it's very silly. It is a little but bit silly. You don't silly. know what it is. You don't know what it is. It could be anything. You don't know. Yeah, you, you take have no you, idea. You take two commander damage. What? I do? I do. Why do what? Is that your um, commander? Maybe. Awesome. <laughs> you could really just like make everybody keep track of all of the damage from the individual face down creatures separately in case one of them is your commander, but that seems like going way too deep, so don't do that. Uh <laughs> it's 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 obvious if one of your commanders is face down, it's you you kind of have to Now, the second bil- ability on this card that lets you exile stuff and and cast it for its mana cost, uh well, you you play that card this turn rather. Um it's there because um if your face down permanent or so your face down card is not a creature uh you can't turn it face up if it's uh if it's manifested obviously we just mentioned some morphs that that's not true for but if it's a manifested card you can't turn it face up for its for its mana cost if it's not a creature card so you you just can't you show everybody what it is to prove you can't and then you just leave it face down if if it's relevant um and there's also there's there's a difference between turning something face up and manifesting it or morphing it. Cause there's some cards that turn things face up. So like if I've manifested uh, an artifact and something tells me to turn a face down card face up, I can turn it face up. I sure. Yeah. I can't manifest it because it's an artifact, but I, if something tells me to turn it face up, I can. 
Um, right. However, if it's an incident or sorcery, I can't even do that. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that's fair. Uh, I, I meant that you can't manifest it uh, because it's, you know, that's not what manifest does. But you're right. If you get something that says specifically says you have to turn it face up, like break break open or break out or something does that, um, then you just turn it face up. Um, if an effect tries to return a face down creature to the battlefield uh, after it leaves, like a, a flicker effect, um, it returns that card face up to the battlefield. Once a card has left the battlefield, it forgets its face down status. Face down works just like tapped in that in that instance. Um, if the card's an instant of sorcery, however, it just stays in whatever zone it was hanging out in because you can't put a lightning bolt on the battlefield. Don't do it. You can't you can do it. You can try. You could try, uh, but it, it won't work. I like that very and, uh, very taunting way in which you said that, Jess. You, you could try. You well, could I have try. a story there. Yeah, I've got a story there, but but I realized I was referencing something <laughs> that maybe maybe you guys didn't didn't know about. Um, I want to hear this story. Yeah, well, it'll be in the uh, be in that 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 after show banter. Um, <laughs> exactly. I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, yeah, some cards don't have a magic back. Some cards have a, a the, the double face cards. They just have two faces weirdly they can still be manifested so if you have a checklist card in your deck that's manifested or if you if you are playing with sleeves so you can't tell the difference even though it doesn't have a back it can still be face down it's just that it's front face down it just looks funky (laughs) yeah this is the weirdest thing in the world it's face down yeah well you can't turn it face down any other way like once it's on the battlefield you can't turn a double face card face down with like Ixadron, right? Right. Yeah. So, so this is, I don't think you can anyway. I'm, somebody's going to email me and tell me some obscure rule where I, I forgot about where I'm wrong, maybe, but like, I'm pretty sure you can't. Um, and so, so yeah, you just have to hide the back. Like when you do when it's in your deck, if you manifest a double face card and uh, they obviously can't transform while they are manifested. That'd be rad. Yes, the, yeah. the 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 transformed back of the card is not face up when it's manifested on the battlefield. So, even though why physically can't it like is. why can't like why can't it transform <laughs> though? Like I know that it can't, but like but why? What if I make what if I make it a human and then I cast Moon Mist and transform <laughs> all humans? Like I don't get it. I know it doesn't work, but I feel like it should because it's John Cena right. and you can't see it. Oh. I didn't expect that. So, so, so hold on. If if you change it into a human, if you use a copy effect, yeah, like no, I, I don't think I, I don't. a mirror weave it or something. Oh, look! It is a miracle we have gotten through <laughs> manifest. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what? You know what else is a miracle? Uh, our next card. Miracles. A a a mechanic. Yeah. Um. If for anyone who is familiar with uh, miracles that were originally from Avacyn Restored. Ooh, we get Entreat the Angels back? Well, we get Entreat the Dead, which is spooky Entreat the Angels. It's dark and brooding. Yes, it's... Titans. Tricker tricker Entreat. (laughs) Oh, that's good. I like that. That's funny. She says, not laughing. Um, so, so no, I actually, that was clever. So entreat the dead, um, is basically again, like entreat the angels. It is uh, a sorcery for 
black, 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 X, X, and uh, says, return X target creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. However, it also has Miracle for black, black, X. Um, and Miracle, uh, basically Miracle cards let you cast the card for the Miracle cost when you draw it as the first card for a turn. Um, it doesn't matter whose turn it is as long as it is the first card you have drawn on that turn. Um, when you, uh, in order to successfully cast something for its miracle cost, um, you have to reveal it before it gets mixed in with any other cards. Um, like I, I go to draw my card for the turn. If it touches my other cards, it's, it's too late. I have no other, no way of identifying and my opponent has no way of identifying that that was actually the card that I drew this turn. Um, however, if you don't want to reveal, cast it for its miracle cost, you don't have to reveal it. Um, when you reveal the card, um, when it's the first card you draw on in a turn, uh, the trigger the, that would let you cast it will go on the stack. You can respond to it. Your opponent, anyone can respond to it. Um, so if you are like, oh crap, I really need to crack this fetch land to go get the mana to cast my my to get more creatures to have a bigger X uh, you can crack your fetch go get it and then resolve your trigger and cast your spell while you're resolving the trigger um, if you are drawing multiple cards uh, you it, you aren't drawing all three of them at exact exactly the same time you do draw them in sequence so if I cast Divination and draw two cards, only the first one that I pick up counts. I'm not drawing them both simultaneously. And just, I don't get to pick which one. Um, if I am getting my Miracled card and putting it into my hand um, due to something that doesn't actually say draw, um, I, I didn't draw the card. I'm, so I don't get to Miracle my card. Um, so I know we all love alternate costs and conveniently, this is an alternate cost. You cannot pay another, I was about to say additional alternate costs, but I realized that the implications of my phrasing there was weird. You cannot pay other alternate costs. Um, if for whatever reason, the miracle card leaves your hand before the miracle triggered ability resolves, you don't get to cast it because it's not there anymore. Um, and uh, you still draw the card regardless of whether or not you cast it for its miracle cost. So even if I draw the card for my turn, I cast it for its miracle cost. If I have something that cares about me drawing a card, I've still drawn the card. That's, uh, anyone else have anything exciting to say about miracle? No, I don't, I don't think so. We were talking about if earlier, if this card is actually better than entreat the angels, and it's, situationally it it's it's different is. and i imagine if you build around it it will be yeah reality scramble that's the mechanic no the mechanic <laughs> that we're going to talk about is retrace so but it's on a card called reality scramble which is i don't know the art is it's like very odd art it is very odd arc. It's sort of like some sort of weird dogs playing poker only instead of dogs you have dinosaurs orangutans octopi Anteaters and, and a shoe, uh, and they're and they're not uh, 
They're, it's some sort of octopus They're not tentacle. so much as playing poker, but they're just kind of chatting. Uh, yeah, so for two red-red, uh, Reality Scramble is a card that says, put target permanent you own on the bottom of your library, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a card that shares a card type with that permanent. Put that card onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom in any random order. So Reality Scramble pretty much scrambles reality. <laughs> put target permanent you own so oh, i'm gonna take that dinosaur i'm gonna put it on the bottom and i'm gonna keep flipping until i get an orangutan <laughs> there we go this is just kind of the way that works but here's the interesting part about reality scramble it has this mechanic called retrace on it um not just tracing but retracing um which says uh you may cast this card uh from your graveyard by discarding a land in addition to paying its other costs so I cast Reality Scramble, I put my dinosaur on the bottom, I go get my orangutan, <laughs> and when it resolves, um, I can then cast Reality Scramble again. So only two differences. I'm casting it from my graveyard instead of my hand, and I have an additional cost of discarding a card. So um, so I cast, I cast Reality Scramble, it resolves, I got my orangutan, now, because this is a sorcery and a sorcery just resolved, I get priority again. And my opponent, if they really, really, really don't want me to have my reality scramble again, and maybe they have something that'll make me uh, exile cards in my graveyard, tough. I got priority if I want to cast reality scramble again and try and turn my orangutan into uh, an anteater or a leviathan. <laughs> uh I can go ahead and cast it because so, I have priority. So I can I can cast, I can pay the two red red, I can discard my land, and before my opponent has an opportunity to have priority, that reality scramble's already on the stack. It's not in the graveyard anymore. Swanky. I'm getting a Leviathan. Or, or a dog, or a boot, or <laughs> a, wedge of che- a wedge of cheese? What is that? Everybody needs a wedge of cheese. Does need a wedge of cheese. Um, is that dinosaur? That dinosaur is wearing a a muumuu. A what? I a I can't tell what that dinosaur is it's wearing. Got sle- it's got it's got sleeves and it looks like lace. I think it might just be an ill fitting shirt. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if if you were a dinosaur wearing a a shirt that was designed for a human, it probably wouldn't fit you very well either. It's 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 a it's a very wide V neck. Yeah, it's, it's the style. <laughs> yeah. So so that's all I got for for retrace. All right. Well, all right. All right. <laughs> the next mechanic we're going to talk about is totem armor, which is coming back. Everyone's favorite mechanic. Oh man, I loved this is uh this is one of my favorite drafting sets. Uh, well, the card we're going to talk about is not actually a reprint, but totem armor came from one of my favorite drafting sets, which was Rise of the Eldrazi. Um. The card we're talking about is Octopus Umbra, which is an enchantment aura. It costs three blue blue. It says enchant creature. Enchanted creature has base power and toughness eight eight and has whenever this creature attacks, you may tap target uh, creature with power eight or less. And it has totem armor. I love that card. Because because it has an octopus on it? Well, because the art's pretty and because it has an octopus on it. She's just floating in the middle of a giant octopus head. Uh, that's how totem yeah. armor works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. So how does totem armor work? 
Well, you float inside a giant spirit animal. It's like all of the um, arts have it work that way. Yeah, uh, that is true. Yeah. So uh, the way totem armor works is uh, if your creature is enchanted by uh, an aura with totem armor, then if your creature would be destroyed, instead, you don't destroy it. You remove any damage that might be on it. And uh, you destroy the Umbra enchantment uh, instead. So that effect is mandatory. You don't get to choose to let the enchanted creature die. You ju- you're going to have to get rid of the uh, the aura. Um, it's also applied no matter why the enchanted permanent would be destroyed. So, you know, if it's going to be uh, murdered by the card murder, if it has lethal damage, if it's destroyed with planar cleansing, um, you know, damage is still removed from the creature, even if it was murdered, which is a little bit weird, but that's how that works. Um, let's see here. If a permanent is enchanted with multiple auras with totem armor and that creature would be destroyed, you have multiple replacement effects trying to affect the same permanent at the same time. Uh, you pick one, even if not all of the cards with totem armor are, are yours. If you control the creature, you pick one. Um, now the totem armor has replaced the event and the other totems no longer apply. They don't care. Um, I want to jump back up to the whole, doesn't matter why it's dying. That's true if it's being destroyed, but if you are sacrificing it, it still gets sacrificed. You don't get to sacrifice the totem armor instead. Um, if a permanent would be destroyed in multiple ways at one time, such as a one toughness creature taking one point of death touch damage, only one instance of odor, of totem armor needs to exist in order to save it. So even though more than one thing would destroy it at once, uh, just having this octopus umbra on it will be fine. And uh, if an ability would destroy an aura with totem armor at the same time as the creature it enchants, the totem armor will still save the enchanted permanent. Uh, this is not the same as regeneration. It's super relevant because you know with regeneration, a creature would be tapped and removed from combat. That doesn't happen with totem armor. It's still in combat. It's still tapped or untapped as it, whatever it was. Um, yeah. So if something can't be regenerated, totem armor doesn't care. It still brings it back. Well, it keeps it there, I should say. And it doesn't prevent things like zero toughness or the legend rule or sacrificing, like I mentioned earlier. So if your creature has zero toughness, it will be put into the graveyard. If your creature would die to the legend rule, it still dies to the legend rule, uh, so on and so forth. Woohoo. Yeah. So that's a that's a whole lot of mechanics. That's a mouthful of mechanics. It's true. Um, so, so now we're going to talk. About- yeah, there's there's not there's not too many crazy wild rules wise cards um, that are coming out with with Commander 2018, but there's a couple of interesting ones, um, what you got? including this one that I'm very very excited about for for totally not expected reasons. Um, Except I have no idea how to pronounce the name. So we're going to try out... I don't know. What y'all think? Eric's... Eric's Eric's It's like a arithmetic, but but not. So Eric's... I'm I'm really struggling with it, y'all. It's reading, writing, and arithmetic the slumbering isle. Yes. So Eric's comma, slumbering isle. Um for 
uh, costs two green blue. So you really just need to say green and blue, and I'm already excited about it. However, it is also a legendary creature, Kraken, which is even better. Release the Kraken! Um, <laughs> uh, which means it can be your commander. Um, and it is a 12-12. However, it says uh, it enters the battlefield tapped with five slumber counters on it. As long as it has a slumber counter on it, it is a land. And whenever you cast a spell, you may remove a slumber counter from it. And it also has tap, add green, blue. Um, so right away, this is a very, very neat friend here. Um, and again, right away, you can't just play this as a land. While it's going to become a land when it enters the battlefield, um, you you still have to play the card for its mana cost of two green, blue. Um, you can't just play it as your land drop. Um, so it isn't a land until it enters the battlefield. Um, if for some terrible reason uh, there's a blood moon, um, because this is going to be inevitable in Commander for you monsters who decide to play blood moon in Commander. Um, How's that? That's not monsters. That's that's just good gameplay right there. Is it? Hey, there's got to be something against the people that play like really greedy mana bases, all the crazy dual lands and stuff. But that's the fun. Yeah, there is something that's called land destruction. <laughs> I I I'm against land destruction. Uh, oh, I'm fine with I'm fine with land modification. What about land? A little bit of landscaping. <laughs> what about land tax? The Eric Levine Invitational card. Um. No one else thinks the oh, art on that oh, card. Oh, it definitely looks like does. It absolutely does. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, at any rate, um, so if for whatever reason someone has a blood moon, um, this will enter the battlefield tapped with five counters. Then it becomes a land, and it's a mountain. So it's a mountain tapped with five counters. Um, so if for whatever reason the blood moon goes away later. You still have to do your work to to wake wake up our Kraken friend here. Um, if you so when it enters the battlefield um, and it does enter again, it does enter uh, tapped. But if for whatever reason you manage to untap it on your turn on on the turn you play it, you can tap it for mana on that turn. Uh, it's not it's not summoning sick as a land. Um, uh, it's trigger, uh, to remove the counters. This is whenever you cast a spell, you may remove a slumber counter that trigger will resolve before whatever spell you cast to, to cause that, to make the trigger happen will resolve. Um, another weird thing about this, um, when it says, as long as it has a slumber counter on it, it's a land that overrides any, any other types. Um, so it's not a creature anymore. Additionally, if you use a Phyrexian metamorph that usually that says it's a copy and it is an artifact, and, uh, what is what exactly does so it say? In it's in an artifact addition in addition to, to its other types. In addition to its other types. Yeah. Um, this would still just be a land. Mm-hmm. It's not an artifact land. Well, it is, however, an artifact, uh, creature, that becomes a land because of the ability. So once the, the counter's removed, then it would be 
than it would be a, a legendary artifact creature would, Kraken. I want that. Can I have that? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds. Well, so you you like your legendary artifact creatures? Uh, yeah, I can. I could. Do you have some some legendary artifact creatures to tell me about, Brian? Bruh, bruh. I got <laughs> bruh, bruh. <laughs> I think we said this bruh about so, 20 times before the episode even started. Yeah. So this is Br- Br- Brugan Clan, Brugan Clan, oh. the, the Telcor engineer. Uh, is this the newest thing that got written on my Starbucks cup? Yes. Brugan Clan? Brugan Clan. Brugan Clan. Technicolor engineer okay. uh, for four blue red. But what's the actual a four, four. name of the card, Brian? <laughs> What's, What's the actual What's name the actual of the card? Name? It's Brutic Brutic Lad, Brutic Lad, not Clad Lad. Uh, <laughs> sure, Brutic Brutic Lad, Telcor Engineer. Um, this is a this is a a, a Mister 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 Clad here is a card that we a, a creature that we've never seen referenced before except on uh, one card in Future Sight. It was a two one mirror. Where he is mentioned in the flavor text, uh, Sarkamite mirror. Th- thanks, future side. Uh, yeah, huh? Yeah. So he's got a. He has apparently he has a strong following somewhere. Uh, enough that they made a creature card out of him. So he's a four four legendary artifact creature, artificer or artificer, depending on how you want to pronounce that. How you want to pronounce? Pronounce that. Great. Yes. <laughs> Creature tokens you control have haste. Um, at the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 2-1 blue mirror or mer, depending on how you want to pronounce it, uh, artifact creature token. Uh, then you may choose a token you control. If you do, each other token you control becomes a copy of that token. Okay, let's let's there's a lot to unpack here. Um, so first off, this effect that uh, uh, affects all tokens other than the, the chosen tokens, uh, including the new token. So that that mirror token that just got made can become a copy of something else. Um, and, and then it's all other tokens. It's not creature tokens. And it it doesn't have to... Let's see how, to, how do I want to describe this. It doesn't have to be, they don't have to be the same type. You can actually say, I'm going to choose a clue token and I want all my mere creatures, I want all my mere tokens to become that clue token. Huh. Or I want all of my my treasure tokens to become mere. Yeah, I think turning your, your treasures and your clues into mere just seems like winning the game a lot of the time. Well, hopefully you'd even have like, you know, bigger tokens and stuff like that. Uh, but do do keep in mind that this this effect does not end at the end of turn. It's kind of permanent. So so if you go the wrong way and decide to turn all your mere tokens into clues, well, they're all clues now. So the next time it comes around, uh, you better be you're going to have to turn the the clues back into the two one mirror that you just made, like. So if you have like a bunch of like three, three or four, four tokens from something else and you turn them into uh, a treasure, well, it's going to be kind of hard to get them back to be those four, four. Enjoy your treasure. Yes. Now, one of the one of the other cool things is nowhere in here is the word target. 
So the first time uh, this thing, this uh, uh, clad comes down, the ability is going to go, is going to start to resolve. Your opponent's not going to know what token, I mean, they, they're probably going to be able to figure out what's what's worse for them, right? But they, they don't actually know what's going to be, uh, everything's going to become a copy of. So once that ability starts resolving, it's going to be whatever you want it to be a copy of. They don't, the opponent can't be like, oh, well, you chose that. Well, I want to kill it in response. They don't get to wait to get that information before deciding whether or not to let it resolve. Bruh. No. You don't. Bruh. Bruh. So, yeah, this is the, 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 the imagine all this bruhing we're doing right now, but more. That was, that was our lives about an hour ago. <laughs> it's pretty good. Well, you're so really hyping up this. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you're holding a grudge about this. Uh, so I, that was exactly where I was trying to go with it. So thanks, Jess. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> our next card is Emissary of Grudges, which is apparently broken spirit animal. Oh, that's <laughs> too real. That's too real. Uh, the Grudge Umbra. Um, <laughs> uh, Emissary of Grudges is a... Uh, a creature that costs five and a red. It has flying and haste. It's a six five. It says, as emissary of grudges enters the battlefield, secretly choose an opponent. Well, this is flavorful. Reveal the player. You, uh, I'm sorry. It, it has an ability. That, the cost of revealing the player you chose. Choose new targets for target spell or ability if it's controlled by the chosen player, and if it targets you or a permanent you control. Activate this ability only once. Um, so. When it says you secretly choose an opponent, um, you should decide with your playgroup how to fairly secretly choose an opponent because you can't just go, okay, I've got one now, like a birthday wish that you can just get to make up whatever it comes relevant. No, that's how, that's how uh, I pick. <laughs> okay, got it. No, it was you, you, you I just, you, you, you definitely totally make a decision 100% no really. Yeah. Uh, you should probably write it down. Um, and it, it, like, you know, write it down and turn that piece of paper face down under under emissary of grudges or something. You could do something like way more interesting. Like you could you know, give everybody a card and only one of them has the, you know, has the players. The only the one you chose ha- says something on it. They don't know it. Oh, that's um, cute. So you have a grand reveal. One of those puzzle boxes. You could put it in the puzzle box and then work. when it comes uh, time to reveal it, you have to unlock the puzzle box. Oh, I hate this. Um, all right. So if you have uh, multiple emissary of grudges, you have to track which one, which of these abilities is tied to which opponent. Um, it's I'm not sure that would ever become relevant. I guess, you know, it could it could easily become relevant. Yeah, if, if it's uh, uh, because if I choose an opponent who is then who then leaves the game, then yep. another player knows which one to kill. So yeah, that could become relevant. Um, and if you somehow didn't choose an opponent, uh, like say you steal your the emissary of grudges from uh, from your opponent, so I've I've taken your grudge. It is now my grudge. I can't reveal a player that I chose to get the ability because you didn't choose it. Right. I can't pay the cost, and my opponent can't pay the cost because because it's not their ability to activate it anymore. You can't grudge so, vicariously through someone else. Right. So if you share your grudge with somebody else, sometimes it can help. Uh, 
if you talk about it, <laughs> share it with another person. Sharing is caring. Yeah. All right. I like, I love this card. <laughs> <laughs> I, ooh. I mean, it's a, it's a flying, it's a six, five flying haste for, for, for six mana that, uh, I get to, I get to redirect their spell. Uh, and, and I get to pick a, pick a secret opponent and, and be like, you know, who do I have the grudge against? Hmm. Hmm. See, my problem with, with cards like this is like, I just, I have no poker face whatsoever. So just everyone would know it. It's not a secret, but it is still a six, five with flying and haste. Um, what if you, what if you like let somebody else choose, right? Like, Oh, that's that would totally work, and then I keep it a secret from myself. Yeah, but then you could never activate it. Like you wouldn't know when the appropriate time to activate it is. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I would have the peace of mind knowing that I don't know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I can. I, I like it. I like it. I've just got to meta my own self. You're like that person that plays coup without looking at their cards. Oh man, I definitely know someone who does that, and it definitely is someone I live with. <laughs> um, all right at, at any rate uh we, we are here to forge some heroes uh and talk about the card forge of heroes uh this card is not particularly mechanically difficult but it's kind of cute it is a uh land that can tap to add colorless mana but can also tap uh to uh and says choose target commander that entered the battlefield this turn Put a plus one, plus one counter on it if it's a creature, and a loyalty counter on it if it's a planeswalker. Um, <laughs> I am just fully reading the notes on this. and says, if it's both a creature and a planeswalker, then in parentheses, like Gideon, somehow, it gets both counters. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's a way you could do that. It would require <laughs> some work. So yeah, if, if, you have a, if, if you have a commander that is somehow both a creature and a planeswalker um it will get both types of counters um on the flip side of that if it's a commander that is not a creature or a planeswalker um for example like a my my good buddy eric smithis i don't know if if it's still asleep um and is a land and neither a creature nor a planeswalker it doesn't get any counters saddest day Hmm. I like I like how on the, on the art of this card they made the the underside of the bat wing the the, the arch the pillars, bits the arches. I think it's very cool. So is this yeah. a forge that heroes use, or is this a forge that Bel- creates that heroes? Makes heroes. I would say it's both, and I think maybe that's the flavor behind it, Jess. Maybe the the creatures that you make are the heroes that are forged uh, and the planeswalkers are the heroes that use the forge i'm gonna make this bigger brian i'm pretty sure your bat is a dragon <laughs> um, it definitely is <laughs> 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 oh yes podcast humor no even though the fact that it's got this big giant the tail. fire breathe the fire breathing oh. giant bat is a dragon <laughs> hold on now <laughs> Just because we haven't found a bat yet that doesn't breathe fire, that breathes wait, fire, wait. doesn't mean they don't exist. <laughs> we haven't found a bat. No two bats do not breathe fire. Um, I Look, I will have you know that once a bat lived in my house, and it did not look like that. 
<laughs> no, that's the bat's house now, Jess. <laughs> all right, all right. What else have we we got beyond our bat friend here? Oh, said now. It's, oh, no. It's a... Whatever, I haven't even seen... It's these. a burly bat, man. Jeez. Anyway, let's, 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 talk about, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about Thanos Urza's Apprentice. Another artificer. Yes, he's a legendary creature human artificer. Or artificer. Uh, for blue and a red, he's, uh, he's a 1-3 uh, dapper-looking fella. Um, he has haste with, uh, with... For a blue and a red, you can tap. And copy target activated or triggered ability you control from an artifact source. You may choose new targets for a copy. It has in parentheses, it says mana abilities can't be targeted. Reason why that happens is because they resolve right away. So it's it's like it's like uh, you, you can't ever catch it. You can't ever catch it on the stack because it's never on the stack. It's too fast. It's too. It's like, where'd it go? You missed it. It's gone. Um, so. How to tell what an activated ability is or a triggered ability. Activated abilities have colons. You know, uh, triggered abilities uh, all start with the words win whenever or at. So that's how you can tell uh, triggered abilities or activated abilities. Um, so Taunus's ability uh, targets an ability on the stack. Um, yeah. So what happens is, is so when you activate, when you activate an ability, abilities on the stack and and. Uh, gets it, and then it creates another instance of it. Um, now, it says weird things. Normally, we see things like uh, copy the target activated ability from an artifact or from a from a, a, a creature. This says from an artifact source. So what an artifact source is, is a permanent, a spell, or a card in any zone with the type artifact. Um, now, this was something kind of neat, the, 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 or the fact of the card uh, for me. Is if you have a if you have an artifact with the cycling ability, and you cycle that card away, uh, the cycling ability actually came from an artifact source. So you can use Tonos to copy that. I mean, because you cycle it, you discard it. Uh, the draw card abilities on the stack. It's got an artifact source. You use Tonos to copy it. Um. Some of the basic stuff uh, when when copying uh, abilities, if the ability was modal, uh, the modes can't be changed. Um, if the ability uh, divides damage or distributes counters among any number of targets, like uh, like Verderous Gear Hulk, that's an artifact. Um, the division and the number of targets can't be changed. So um, in Gear Hulk's case, uh, you chose to put three plus one plus one counters on one creature and then one plus one plus one counter on another. That's the split you have to work with. You choose new targets, though. You do get to choose new targets, but you don't but get... The distribution has to be the, the same. The distribution of three counters to one creature and one counter to one other creature has to has to stay. I can't go, oh, well, I'm going to break it up and do four to, you know, one counter to each of these four dudes. Right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And then some other, some other stuff about uh, uh, copying stuff... Uh, so if an ability is linked to a second ability, I'll, I'll, g- I'll give an example of this in a second, but if an ability is linked to a second ability, copies of that ability are, are also linked to that second ability. So, for example, um, Tide, Holler, Tide Hollow Sculler hasn't entered the battlefield uh, ability that has you look at a player's hand and like uh, exile uh, a card from it. So this would actually get copied. You'd do that twice. Um, 
and then when Tide Hollow Sculler leaves the battlefield, which is the linked ability, which re- returns that card, that ability would actually return both cards. That makes sense. There. Hmm. Yeah. It is weird. So uh, we got uh, we got we might have one or two more cards. What Zancha got, Jess? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Zancha. Zancha. Uh, anyway, Jancha Sleeper Agent I, is a really cool card. I, I love really everything like this card. about this card. I don't know if you can say I'm pretty sure it's and then say it as a question. I'm pretty sure it's Zancha. I'm pretty sure it's not a bat, Brian. <laughs> okay. I'm sure this isn't a bat either. <laughs> well, we can agree that this is a really cool card. I really like her letter opener. <laughs> her letter opener. Zancha Sleeper Agent is a card that says it's a 5-5 five, five for 3, which is... A really good value. That means it's a good card, right? It passes the vanilla test. Yeah. Super, super, super. It does. Yep. Broken card. Yep. So it's a 5-5 five, five for 3. As it enters the battlefield, an opponent of your choice gains control of it. This is sounding worse and worse. Janta attacks each combat, if able, and can't attack its owner or planeswalkers its owner controls. Oh. So it attacks somebody for five that's not you every turn. And it has an activated ability, too. You pay three, and Jancha's controller, that is the person you gave it to, loses two life, and you, the person activating the ability, draw a card. Any player may activate this ability. I love making my friends hate each other instead of me. So this card is great. I, I really like this card. I get to, I get to for three mana. I give my opponent a five, five that automatically attacks other players. And for three more mana, I draw a card and damage that player. Um, this is spiffy. This is, this is right up my alley. Uh, it, and it even goes in the colors with land destruction. You monster. <laughs> so the first ability is a replacement effect that modifies how she enters the battlefield. Uh, it is not a triggered ability. Players can't respond to it. It doesn't enter the battlefield under your control first. Uh, if she can't attack for any reason, then she doesn't attack, even though there's a requirement that says she does. If you have a requirement that says she does and a restriction that says she can't, then she can't. Uh, if there's a cost associated with attacking, then the player that controls her doesn't have to attack. They don't have to pay the cost in order to attack. That last ability, uh, as I indicated, you are the person that activated the ability. So the person that activates the ability to draw a card, uh, that is the you, right? Like any player can do that. Even the player who currently controls Jancha can do that. If you want to, for some reason. I mean, two life to draw a card is is not a terrible value. Like repeatable, repeatable draw a card for two life is is fine. The problem is that everybody else is also doing it, <laughs> right? So uh, if a player creates a token that's a copy of this somehow, then the player who creates the token is its owner, not the player under whose control it enters the battlefield. This is different from previous rules. So what I mean by that is, um, let's say I, I cast a spell that creates a token copy of this creature. Well, when that token enters the battlefield, it's going to enter the battlefield under somebody else's control because I'm creating it. Uh that means that I am the owner of that token, even though it entered the battlefield under somebody else's control. And then there's uh, one other thing I want to talk about, which is in a multiplayer game, if I give this to an opponent and then that opponent dies, what happens to it? Say that one more time. So I, I give Jancha to you, Brogan. 
Okay. In a three player game with all three of us, I give it to you. uh, And then you uh, leave the game. Somehow you concede, you die, you, you pick up your cards and go home for whatever reason. What happens to the creature that you had control of that I own? I don't know, Jess, what happens? I'm pretty sure I get it back. I, I legitimately don't know, but that makes sense. Uh, so this is uh, this this replacement effect uh, is a control changing effect, right? So that control changing effect will end once the player it was giving a control to goes away. So then you know it uh, it comes yeah it comes back to me, and then I'm in trouble now because everybody else is going to be still drawing cards, uh, but I'm going to be losing life. Sad. But you have a five-five. You can just run into their face. That I that I have to run into their face. Yeah, you do have to run into their face. Yes. So you're telling me I am incentivized if I if 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 I give Jess my friend here. I'm like I guess I have to kill Jess to get this back if I want to attack with it. But also now people can can mm-hmm. draw cards and make me lose life. You want Jess to die last. You right. want Jess to die last. If you give it to Jess. Right. Now, the losing two life is also part of the effect. So you could play a little bit of Kingmaker here. You know, if you're going to die and you know you're going to die and the player who gave it to you is at two and somebody activates the ability and you're just like, I scoop in response. You just killed them. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I really hate strategic scoop. <laughs> oh, Jess, you would think of that. Yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely hate that. <laughs> like if you're attacking with a bunch of creatures with lifelink and then the person's like, oh, I don't want you to gain life. I scoop before you can deal damage to me. You're not a good person. Oh, jeez, <laughs> Brian with the, bla- the, the, the black and white, just like you're just a bad person. You're, you, yeah, it's not it's not like you made bad decisions or, oh, you did a bad thing. You know, no, just, you you have a stain upon your soul. Just a bad person. <laughs> right. I've definitely done that before, Brian. What? Uh, <laughs> I stand by what All I right. said. All right. Anything we want to say more? We want to say about our our minion-y friend here, and I don't mean the the yellow, despicable me kind. Uh, she is a minion. She Weird. she is a minion. Okay. <laughs> there are going to be wow. so many altars for despicable me minions. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that that is in my brain now. Ugh. <laughs> also, also with sleeper agent there could be a lot of like her in like pajamas so sleepy like, blankets and stuff yeah she's sleepy. slumber party slumber party Joshua. oh i like that <laughs> i like that one much better than the yellow banana version <laughs> oh, i like that much more all right well i i want to thank both of you guys for for discussing this with us today what uh was there anything else you wanted to talk about with commander 2018 on the horizon seems fun yeah, maybe I'll get one this time around. We'll see. I haven't I haven't bought a Commander product in a very, very long time. But maybe I'll buy one and play some Commander and, and rediscover why I don't play it. <laughs> I want to see if anyone decides to play any of these cards in Legacy. That'll be interesting. <laughs> I know nobody's going to give their opponent a 5-5 five, five for 3 in Legacy. Yeah, maybe not. But we'll see. Well, it wouldn't be, able to, wouldn't be able to attack you and you could just keep paying 3 to... Oh, wait. Yeah, that's right. It can't attack you. It just does nothing. It's just no. a 5-5 five, five that does nothing. Well, you pay three mana, and then you can just keep paying three to make them lose two life and draw a card. Yeah, like that's, huh. 
It's probably still not good enough, but that's no, cute. it's definitely that not just good seems enough. too slow. All right. Well, again, I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank you guys, my hosts, for being on the show. Um, I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And remind you also that you can find our entire archive free for download at judgecast.com, including a section that highlights the episodes that are great for learning to judge. Um, you can also contact us through email. Our email address is judgecast at gmail.com, and you can uh, send us a message on Facebook or post on our wall, facebook.com slash judgecast, or you can tweet at us, uh, twitter.com slash judgecast. Um, so I hope that you listen to the show next time when we come back and discuss something equally rulesy and fun. And I just want to say that I'm Jess Dunks and I keep it fair. And I'm Brogan King and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman and I'm Batman. <laughs>